Today we're going to finish a three-week topic that I diverted last week on talking about some of the ministries at our church and understanding what the purpose and uh, the Bible background of them. We talked about City Lead a couple of weeks ago, then we talked about World Lead, and now we're doing Starfish Treasure and all those things around that. If you want more information about any of those, just go to the back and you'll be able to get that. And today we're going to talk about Church Lead and understand what that is. And there's a little sister to church lead called student lead that we do at Boca Raton Christian School as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. If you don't have a Bible and you wanna borrow the one in front of you, it's on page 918. If you own a Bible, just borrow that one this morning. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible with you. It's a great Bible. Take it with you. It's our gift to you. We love to give away Bibles. And so, um, but before we get into Ephesians chapter 4, which is the, kind of the biblical reason of what we do, we need to know what is church lead. Church lead is what we do inside our church. City lead is what we do here in the city and in other cities around the world. World lead is what we do with our missionaries and our partners around the world and all their ministries. And church lead is what we do here. And what is it that we do here? Very simply put, if you want to write these words down, we want to develop disciples. Develop, I'll describe what a disciple is in a minute. We want to develop disciples who also make disciples. There's a generational aspect of disciple making. It's a generational thing. The Bible talks about generation after generation after generation. The whole Old Testament is talking about teaching your children and your grandchildren. At the temple, at the synagogue, at the tabernacle, they were teaching people so that they could teach the next generation to the next generation. But many times we in the church have stopped doing that. We want to make disciples, we want you to be it, but we don't go, well, what's next? And what's next is not just your physical children as it was in the Old Testament, but was we'll find out it's also your spiritual children. There's a spiritual aspect to this. So we call it church lead, <coughs> excuse me. What is a disciple? In Matthew chapter 28, at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And he says, go therefore and make disciples. He didn't go and say, talk. He said, go and make disciples, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I will be with you till the end of the age. The most important thing, he says, is make disciples. Now, what is a disciple? And I want to give you five aspects to this. This is how our church looks at making and being a disciple. Can I do that? Very simple phrases. They'll be up on the screen, and you can... Take these different churches, look at it a little differently, but we look at it this way. And so what we feel, if somebody is doing these things, an individual, a couple, a family, whatever it may be, a Bible study, then they are discipling and being discipled. Can I give you those five things? Number one, you love and share Jesus. You love and share Jesus. You can put the words around it. You can use Christ. You can use whatever you want. But you love Jesus Christ. 
The Bible says and uses other words besides love as well. It uses the word believe, it uses the word faith, it uses the word trust, it uses the word receive. All those words are good, but that you believe in Jesus Christ and you love Jesus Christ. If you love Jesus Christ, then you are becoming a disciple. You are a disciple. Here's the reality. You can be, and I don't want to use the word Christian here because it's, Christian's got a lot of baggage around it, so let's try not to use the word. But you can be a follower of Christ, a believer in Jesus Christ, but not discipling towards Jesus Christ. Discipling is the next stage. So you can go to heaven, you can be love Jesus, but there's more to this about discipling. And one of them is, is that you are discipling other people as well. And that's the part of sharing Jesus. So there's a loving Jesus, there's a sharing Jesus. And what you discover in the Bible, there's always two parts to everything. There's the you and God part, and there's the you and someone else part. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Do you see that? There's always something about us to God, to Christ, and something to someone else, and so to help others. So our faith is not a private faith. I had an argument with a friend of mine once who said, my faith is private. I said, no, your faith is personal, but nowhere in the Bible does it say your faith should be private. If you love Jesus and don't let anybody else know about it, and I'm not just talking about sharing Jesus for evangelism and just sharing the name of Jesus, but it's also sharing the love of Jesus, sharing the responsibility and all these things, then you're only getting half of it. And people go, no, I love Jesus, but it's my own thing. I do it quietly at the beach, and I'm going, you're missing something, my friend. You are missing what he's saying. There is a giving out of what you get. The entire Bible from Genesis chapter 12 on is God gives to us so we can give to others, by the way. The whole generosity thing we talk about a lot. So number one, love and share Jesus. Number two, followers of Jesus Christ, disciples of Jesus Christ, here at this church, this is what we want you to learn, is that you live out your calling. You live out your calling. I'm very big on this. I believe you are called by God. You've heard me say this so many times, and I didn't bring my two-by-four purposely because I know you're tired of seeing me carry a two-by-four, but a two-by-four, we are called to God, by God, for God. God has called us to himself, and we're living out that calling, and a part of living out that calling is loving God through Jesus Christ and doing something for him. That is a part of what it is. Discipleship is not all taking in. Discipleship and being discipled is also giving out. If you're only taking in, you're like the Dead Sea, and we all have heard examples of that. If we're gonna see the Dead Sea if you come to Israel with us. It is an amazing thing. It is the worst thing in the world. They tell you don't bring your watch in it, don't have your cameras near it, don't take your rings in it. Why? Because it destroys anything it touches. And you immediately have to take a shower afterwards because it's a dead sea. Nothing lives in it. Why? Because all the rivers go in it. It's the lowest point in the earth. Nothing can come out of it. And so it is dead. 
There's living things that go in it, and as soon as it touches, it's dead. Why? Because it's only receiving. And so many people want to go, I want to get, I want to get, I want to get, I want to get. And all that means is you're going to die. You're going to die spiritually. You're going to die in your anger and in all kinds of things because you're just getting. Then you take something like the Sea of Galilee, which is to the north, or any other sea, and it's got rivers coming in it and springs going in it, and it's got rivers going out of it, and it's teeming with life. People swim in it, they fish in it, they boat on it, they sail on it. It is alive. We baptize in it. It is an incredible place. One comes in and goes out, the other comes in and doesn't go out. Living out our calling. Number three, that we grow in our character. We grow in our character. You've heard me say this so many times, is that God has called us to do certain things. When you become a believer, he's not calling you to do anything except come to him. But once you have come to him, there's certain things you should do. And one of them is live as he has asked us to live. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He wants us to trust in him. If we trust in him, he will direct our paths. But that means our feelings, our thinking, and what we do all have to be in alignment. Did you see that? Trust in the Lord and he will direct your paths. But with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your doings, do unto him. So let me ask you a question. I did this at City Lead. I just want to have some fun for a minute, okay? You look way too serious here. So, okay, there's three type of personality attribute type things normally when you respond to something. There are thinkers, there are feelers, and there are doers, right? Thinkers, feelers, doers. You go, what's the difference? Well, the difference is when you walk out today, you're going to go to your friend, what did you think about today? You're a thinker. Or if you go, how'd you feel about it today? And you're, you're a feeler. And if you go, what are we going to do about this that he talked about today? You're a doer. I mean, it's, you, you put it in your own questions. So let me ask you now, you can, everybody has to raise their hand, but only raise it once. What are you primarily? I'm all three. You're probably all three too. But who is primarily a thinker? You're always thinking. Raise your hand real high. Good. I thought so. I'm just kidding. Okay. Who are the doers? You got to have some action here. Let's stop talking about this and let's stop crying about this and let's do it. I want to see your hands. Good. Okay, great. The church would be dead without you. We need the doers. We wouldn't know where we're going without the thinkers. How about the feelers? Raise your hand. Yeah, raise them both. These are, yeah, there you go. These are my people. Raise them again. I need to see my people. Good. Okay. So it's not dead what we're doing because we got people that are into it. I'm only kidding. But we all need all three of these, right? Because character is about all three plus the fourth is what God says about it. We grow in character because of what God says in our thinking, in our hearts, in what we do. And the disciple does that. And that's what we do. So first of all, we love and share Jesus. We understand our calling and live it out. We're growing in character. Number four, we're walking in community. Living in community and walking in community. This is so important because the church comes together. This is what I think you miss uh, when you're home 
in a live stream. You get all the rest, but you don't get the community part of living in community. And many of you have to be at home, and I know that, and I pray with you, and I know you by name, and I pray for you. But some of you could be back here in this room. Some of you could be in a Bible study or in a small group during the week in community. Here's the amazing thing. God has called us to come in so that we can go out. We've been called to come in so that we can go out. The word church, the English word, is the Greek word ekklesia. Don't be impressed. Ek means exit. The ones who exit, the ones who are called out. We have been called in so that we can be called out. Come, follow me, so I can make you fishers of people. You see, there's an inward side and there's an outward. But some people don't get the importance of community. And I think COVID really separated people. It was interesting. I've talked to so many people. What we missed in COVID, besides the obvious things, is that we missed the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Do you realize you're the body of Christ? We come together, and there's a spiritual aspect of being together. It's called the body of Christ, which we don't get when we're only out there. It's good to be out there. We've got to be out there, but we also need to be coming together. We come together in big groups like Sundays. We come together in small groups in about 50 or 60 small groups all through the week. But the coming together, not so that we come together and just get, 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 but that we come together to get refreshed so that we can go out and do the calling of God. I hope that makes sense. And then the last one, the fifth one, is so important as well, is that we use our gifts. God has given us gifts to be used. Now, let me just share for a moment what the gifts are. Now, we're going to do a whole study on this in, uh, later in the spring. And it's not what you think. Can I give you six types of gifts in the Bible? And it's not what you think, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Number one, eternal life is a gift. God has given us the free gift of eternal life, right? Romans. Eternal life is a gift. Number two, the Holy Spirit is a gift. The Bible says God has given us, I'm going to send you a Holy Spirit. It was future tense for Jesus to the disciples, it's current text tense to us. It is a gift that God gives us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. People say, how do I reach someone who's across the globe for Jesus? Can I tell you how to reach? Is pray that the Holy Spirit will go to him or her. Pray that someone who has the Holy Spirit will go and talk to them. Maybe you can text them, or you can call them, or you can email them, but the Holy Spirit is not bound by space. He's there, and he's here. It's a beautiful thing. Number three, you are a gift. You personally are a gift. The Scripture says this all over. Number four, ministry is a gift. What you do and what is done is a gift. The fact that you come here, we received a gift today. I received a gift. I won't talk about you. I hope you did. But I received a gift sitting on the third row with what Clay and this team did. I hope you got a gift out of that. That was ministry. That was a gift. When people are out back helping you, when the ladies and men are here praying with you, that's a gift. 
That is a gift to be able to come to somebody and pray with them. It's a gift. Ministry is a gift. And you're a part of that. People in church are a gift. Do you realize the person sitting next to you is a gift? I remember a few years ago, I was, uh, I was talking to some people that sit right here, and I was mentioning about people that sit right here. I said, have you ever met them? I said, met them? We go to lunch with them, we pray with them, we know them, we know their children, we're praying for so-and-so. I'm saying, what a gift. It has nothing to do with anything we did. You all are doing it because the people sitting next to you are a gift. Use that gift. Get to know that gift. Help that gift. It's an amazing thing. And then finally, what we normally think of, there are spiritual gifts that God gives us to do the work of the ministry. Some have hospitality. Some have teaching. Some have mercy. Some have evangelism. Some have generosity. Some have, and you can name, there's dozens of gifts out there. And each one of us as believers have those gifts. Now, what happens when you have a few of these five? Okay, we love and share Jesus, our calling, our character, our community, or our working in our community, and our giftedness, right? What happens if you don't have all five? Can I give you a, a bad example, but it's a good example? We've seen people who have um, fallen as pastors and teachers and musicians, right? You know, they've been on TV and televangelists and down here in South Florida, we've seen several pastors fall, right? Have you seen it? Why? Why? Because of their character. What happened was they fell because of their character, but we knew about it because their gifting was above their character. How did they become the head of this or the head of that? Because they're gifted, but their character didn't match their gifting. And when your character is below your gifting, this arbitrage here is trouble with a capital T. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a new Christian. There's nothing wrong with working through some of your sin and getting over it and moving on. You're down here, but don't think you can go run something because you're gifted. Your gifting and your character have to work together because now your character can be up here and you're just working on your gifting. I get that, that's fine. But do not let, that's why people come to me and go, hey, I've been here one week and I wanna run this. And I go, I don't know your character. You, but I'm so gifted at it. Good, but I need to know that the character and the gifting at least match or the character is above the gifting. Does that make sense? This is why we have these problems. And we do it in community for accountability. That's why a lot of people kind of do their own thing. Oh, I just do my own thing. Well, you may have good character and you may have some good gifting, but there's no accountability because there's nobody around you. See, a discipleship has accountability around it. Those are the five things that we want all of us, not you, but us, me, Elizabeth, our team up here, our pastors, our teachers, our school administrators. We want all of us to be growing in these five areas. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at the, the biblical reason for this. Verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. While you're looking at it, can I just tell you what we're going to do next week? I'll give you where we're heading. 
So we've got five weeks before we kind of get into the Christmas, couple of weeks of Christmas. I thought, I don't want to start a new subject for five weeks and then stop it for a couple of weeks and get back on it. So we're going to do the five shortest books in the Bible. We're going to go into Obadiah, Philemon. Obadiah is one of my favorite books, though. It's only a half a page long. So you can read all these. Obadiah, if you don't know where it is, you got all week to find it. It's somewhere in there. It's right in here somewhere. Obadiah, Philemon, 2 John, 3 John, and Jude. Not the biggest books on the planet, but I tell you what, there's big ideas and big meaning in them. Small books, big meaning. And we're going to look at those five. We're going to start with Obadiah, God willing, next week. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave, this is God and Christ, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and womanhood, to the measure of the statute, stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That's character and understanding those things by human cunning or by craftiness and the deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That is one sentence in the original language. I had to breathe about six times, but it's one sentence. It's unbelievable. 12 to 16 is one sentence. It takes us from infancy to maturity. It takes us from being tossed about to being held together. It talks about deception versus truth. It talks about human origin versus understanding Christ. It talks about the dishonesty of people, that craftiness in deceitful schemes, and it talks about the honesty and speaking truth and love and loving other people. So what do we learn from this? This is how we disciple at this church, which I believe, you know, we, everybody says, what is your, um, what kind of ecclesiology, That's, that, what that means is, uh, what kind of church government do you have? I go, we look at this. This is what we do. Three things. We equip it says here in verse 11 and 12, let me get back down here in verse 12, to equip the saints. Okay, by the way, you're the saints, not me. I'm a saint too, but up here, I'm an equipper. When I come down there, I'm a saint with you, but up here, I'm an equipper. Too many people go, oh, you're the saint and we're the ain'ts. No, <laughs> we're all the saints if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You don't pay for me to be good and do the work of God. You pay me to help you and teach you how to do the work of God. Do you see the difference? See, we have 800 pastors. Oh, you're not ordained or been to Bible school or whatever. That's okay. But we have 800 in this room, probably 1,200 altogether this morning, who are the pastors of this church in the sense of going out, living out your calling, growing in your character, loving and sharing Jesus. Do you see that? You are the disciple makers. We are the equippers. 
You've heard me say so many times, this is not the worship team. This is the team that teaches us to worship. And if you think you've just come to hear good worship, go to some other church. These people are here to help us worship. You heard at the end, they stopped singing. Why? Because they wanted you to start singing. That end, praise Jesus, praise the Lord. And it's unbelievable. Praise the King. So, we equip the believers, that's you, the saints, to do what? To do the work of the ministry. Verse 12, to equip the saints, that's what I do, and what all our teams do, and all our high-capacity volunteers help you to do the work of the ministry. That's your responsibility. That's the beautiful thing. All of us are doing the work. All of us are discipling. I'm not the discipler. I am discipling those who are discipling. And that's the generational part of this. Because I look forward to when you come to me and say, you know what, I'm helping so-and-so. And you helped me a few years ago. And then I can say, you know what, I had people helping me a few years ago. And I had, they had people helping them as well. And we're all helping each other to do the work of the ministry. Why? Okay, so I'm equipping you and you're gonna do the work of the ministry, okay, but why? To build up the body of Christ. It's a simple why. Why do we do this? To build up the body of Christ. The body of Christ is the church. Again, I don't wanna use the word Christians because again, Christian carries a lot of baggage and we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's to build up the church. To what? Until we attain, verse 13, the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son, to become mature so that we become, or it says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What that means is we are to become like Christ. We are not to become like Bill. We are not to become like Boca Community Church. We're supposed to become like Christ. So there's a purpose. I'm equipping you, we're all equipping each other so that we all do the work of the ministry, so we build up the body so that we can mature in our faith. What that means, another word for all this, is being discipled. This is what discipleship is, and this is what we want to have happen on a regular basis, and it is happening. It is happening. We just want it to happen more times because, why? Because we don't want you to be deceived we don't want you to be tossed. We don't want you to be, have the mentality of a spiritual child. We want you to have a mentality of a mature adult believer. Do you see that? And we want you to speak the truth in love. It's such a beautiful thing. And that's what we're trying to do. And that's what this church is about. And so what we're gonna do in January, so we've got a lot going on. We've got Thanksgiving coming. We've got all kinds of things happening. we got great things going on, but what are we going to do? So in January, we're gonna walk through once a month for six months, each one of these items. We're gonna look at each one. What does it mean to love and share Jesus? What does it mean to live out your calling? What does it mean to grow in character? What does it mean to live in community? What does it mean to use your gifts? And we're gonna take from January, just once a month, we're gonna do a regular series and just skip it once a month and kind of walk through as a church. Instead of doing it in small groups, by ourselves, with a few people, which we've been doing for years, I thought, let's just take the whole church through this. 
Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to grow? Wouldn't you like to be a part of? You don't have to be a member of the church. We would love for you to be a member of the church, but please know, to me, that is not the answer. We want you to be a member of the body of Christ, the big C church. Boca community is the small C church. I want you to be a member of the big C church and participate. Yes, become a part of our church so that you can be, do all the things and grow and become a leader here as well, but it's so important. Why? Let me give you the answer or give you a thought. And we're going to close early because I really think, uh, if I could just digress for a moment, a lot of us need prayer. A lot of bad things have happened over the last few weeks. I mean, it's just tough. We got to pray for our nation this week. We have an election coming up in a couple of days. We've got to pray for our people. There are people who have lost their loved ones. You have had loss. There's just a lot going on in this world. I can see your eyes. I see everybody's eyes up until the mid-back. I don't see way back there, your eyes. I just see the color of your outfits. But I see your eyes. I see pain. And I don't want to leave today without us having a time of prayer afterwards. So I'm going to finish early today so that we, after we sing a song, if you want to come down here, I'm going to be down here. We're going to have a lot of people down here praying. Just come down after the song and pray with us. Go back there to find out anything about the church you want to find out, the school, giving to the various things. Go do that, getting a part of a a new Bible study or anything you want to know, but come down here for prayer. Will you do that afterwards? So let me give you a thought. When our country started growing, this is the United States. If you're new to our country, we welcome you. And if you're new to citizenship, we hope you use your right to vote this coming week if you haven't already absentee voted or mail away voted. But our country was started with small towns, except a few. There was Boston, there was Philadelphia, there was a few, Charleston. And then the towns started growing bigger. Like everywhere else in the world, there was urbanization. I've talked about that. A lot going on. Well, in this country, urbanization happened. The problem in this country, it was interesting, we have a a guy in our folklore called Davy Crockett, if you remember Davy Crockett, he was, would go out west and he was not afraid of anything and the wild animals and all the rest. Davy Crockett was like a man's man kind of thing. He went to New York City once and was scared to death. <laughs> this was the early 1800s. Why? Because there was no one enforcing the laws. And there really weren't many laws in cities because you didn't need many laws in villages because everybody kind of took care of themselves. Now they're all coming together. And so what happened was the thieves put together vigilante groups who were not the police. They didn't call them the police back then, but it were tantamount to being the police. The police were in the hands of the thieves. And it was a terrible place to live. And then something happened in the mid-1800s. Some people got together and said, we need to have people who are not a part of the system to be separate from the system so that they can deal with these issues. They called them police. It was the first time our country had ever had police. We had had sheriffs and we had had deputies for counties and districts, but we had never had police. And you know what they did? On these police, there were 75 to start in New York City. That's how small the city was then. 75 police. They made a star. 
and they put the star on their chest. And if you had that star on your chest, you were above all the thieving and the vigilante groups and all the rest. The first 75 police in New York City were all above men of character. And they gave them a star so that you knew as a citizen to go with the man with the star. Not someone else who said they were a leader or a deputy or whatever. And these stars were made of a certain metal, copper. They were copper stars. That's where you get the name cop from. They called them coppers. And then they slanged it down to cops. A cop was a person who was trustworthy and wore the star, the copper star. Now, I take that to the reality there are good police and there are bad police. It's not, this is not about police. There are good people, there are bad people. Now, let's bring it to a spiritual sense. Way back at the beginning, they called the followers of Jesus Christ, let, let me just say the good people, Christians. And the Christians used a symbol. It was a fish because they didn't use the cross until much later. It was a fish. And if you saw the fish, you knew this was a follower of Jesus Christ. But somewhere down the road, we lost our way as Christians. And now being a Christian, if I can use that word in quotes, all that means is you have some sense of the Bible but it does not at all mean you have the character that God wants you to have by just using that word. That's why I'm afraid of using that word because that word has been used to kill people. That word has been used to subjugate people. That word has been used. So I'd like to recapture that word, but I think it would be a lost cause. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And as followers of Jesus Christ, that means we are disciples of his. And if we are disciples of his, that means we do what he asks us to do. And we are above the fray that Ephesians says, the tossing and being like a boat on the water like this. He has given us something much stronger than that because we love and we want to share Jesus. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It doesn't just mean be a wearing the copper or a cross. Everybody wears a cross nowadays. I ask people, why are you wearing a cross? It looks nice. Or worse, they use it as a superstition thing like the baseball players do, and they kiss the cross as they get up to the plate. You've seen that, haven't you? I don't think kissing the cross does much, people. I think believing in the guy who hung on the cross does something, right? So if I said, and you said, I'm a Christian, that's good. At least I know you're in kind of the right arena. But please realize it means to follow Jesus Christ and make disciples. Amen? Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're here. You're obviously in some fashion in and around Christians or you wouldn't even be here. But please understand, it's believing in Jesus Christ. 
And out of that belief comes that love and that sharing and the character and all the rest. But the first thing is this, do you believe in Jesus Christ? That is the key thing. Because the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall have eternal life. Isn't that cool? I mean, that kind of tells it all. That's the first and biggest gift that we get from God. We get these other gifts, but that is the biggest. Let's pray together.